book three part one of pierre or the ambiguities by herman melville this librivox recording is in the public domain the presentiment and the verification chapter one the face of which pierre and lucy so strangely and fearfully hinted was not of enchanted air but its mortal lineaments of mournfulness had been visibly beheld by pierre nor had it accosted him in any privacy or in any lonely byway or beneath the white light of the crescent moon but in a joyous chamber bright with candles and ringing with two score women's gayest voices out of the heart of mirthfulness this shadow had come forth to him encircled by bandelets of light it had still beamed upon him vaguely historic and prophetic backward hinting of some irrevocable sin forward pointing to some inevitable ill one of those faces which now and then appear to man and without one word of speech still reveal glimpses of some fearful gospel in natural guise but lit by supernatural light palpable to the senses but inscrutable to the soul in their perfectest impression on us ever hovering between tartary and misery and paradisaic beauty such faces compounded of hell and heaven overthrow in us all foregone persuasions and make us wondering children in this world again the face had accosted pierre some weeks previous to his ride with lucy to the hills beyond saddle meadows and before her arrival for the summer at the village moreover it had accosted him in a very common and homely scene but this enhanced the wonder on some distant business with a farmer tenant he had been absent from the mansion during the best part of the day and had but just come home early of a pleasant moonlight evening when dates delivered a message to him from his mother begging him to come for her about half-past seven that night to miss lanolin's cottage in order to accompany her thence to that of the two miss pennies at the mention of that last name pierre well knew what he must anticipate those elderly and truly pious spinsters gifted with the most benevolent hearts in the world and at mid-age deprived by envious nature of their hearing seemed to have made it a maxim of their charitable lives that since god had not given them any more the power to hear christ's gospel preached they would therefore thenceforth do what they could toward practising it wherefore as a matter of no possible interest to them now they abstained from church and while with prayer-books in their hands the rev mr falsgrave's congregation were engaged in worshipping their god according to the divine behest the two miss pennies with thread and needle were hard at work in serving him making up shirts and gowns for the poor people of the parish pierre had heard that they had recently been at the trouble of organizing a regular society among the neighboring farmers wives and daughters to meet twice a month at their own house the miss pennies for the purpose of sewing in concert for the benefit of various settlements of necessitous emigrants who had lately pitched their populous shanties further up the river but though this enterprise had not been started without previously acquainting mrs glendinning of it for indeed she was much loved and honoured by the pious spinsters and their promise of solid assistance from that gracious manorial lady yet pierre had not heard that his mother had been officially invited to preside 
or be at all present at the semi-monthly meetings though he supposed that far from having any scruples against so doing she would be very glad to associate that way with the good people of the village now brother pierre said mrs glendinning rising from miss lanolin's huge cushioned chair throw my shawl around me and good evening to lucy's aunt there we shall be late as they walked along she added now pierre i know you are apt to be a little impatient sometimes of these sewing scenes but courage i merely want to peep in on them so as to get some inkling of what they would indeed be at and then my promised benefactions can be better selected by me besides pierre i could have had dates escort me but i preferred you because i want you to know who they are you live among how many really pretty and naturally refined dames and girls you shall one day be lord of the manor of i anticipate a rare display of rural red and white cheered by such pleasant promises pierre soon found himself leading his mother into a room full of faces the instant they appeared a gratuitous old body seated with her knitting near the door squeaked out shrilly ah dames dames madam glendinning master pierre glendinning almost immediately following this sound there came a sudden long-drawn unearthly girlish shriek from the further corner of the long double room never had human voice so affected pierre before though he saw not the person from whom it came and though the voice was wholly strange to him yet the sudden shriek seemed to split its way clean through his heart and leave a yawning gap there for an instant he stood bewildered but started at his mother's voice her arm being still in his why do you clutch my arm so pierre you pain me pshaw some one has fainted nothing more instantly pierre recovered himself and affecting to mock at his own trepidation hurried across the room to offer his services if such were needed but dames and maidens had been all beforehand with him the lights were wildly flickering in the air-current made by the flinging open of the casement near to where the shriek had come but the climax of the tumult was soon passed and presently upon closing the casement it subsided almost wholly the elder of the spinster pennies advancing to mrs glendinning now gave her to understand that one of the further crowd of industrious girls present had been attacked by a sudden but fleeting fit vaguely imputable to some constitutional disorder or other she was now quite well again and so the company one and all seemingly acting upon their natural good breeding which in any one at bottom is but delicacy and charity refrained from all further curiosity reminded not the girl of what had passed noted her scarce at all and all needles stitched away as before leaving his mother to speak with whom she pleased and attend alone to her own affairs with the society pierre oblivious now in such a lively crowd of any past unpleasantness after some courtly words to the miss pennies insinuated into their understandings through a long coiled trumpet which when not in use the spinsters war hanging like a powder-horn from their girdles and likewise after manifesting the profoundest and most intelligent interest in the mystic mechanism of a huge woollen sock in course of completion by a spectacled old lady of his more particular acquaintance 
after all this had been gone through and something more too tedious to detail but which occupied him for nearly half an hour pierre with a slightly blushing and imperfectly balanced assurance advanced toward the further crowd of maidens where by the light of many a well-snuffed candle they clubbed all their bright contrasting cheeks like a dense bed of garden tulips there were the shy and pretty maries marthas susans bettys jennies nellies and forty more fair nymphs who skimmed the cream and made the butter of the fat farms of saddle meadows assurance is in presence of the assured where embarrassments prevail they affect the most disembarrassed what wonder then that gazing on such a thick array of wreathing roguish half-averted blushing faces still audacious in their very embarrassment pierre too should flush a bit and stammer in his attitudes a little youthful love and graciousness were in his heart kindest words upon his tongue but there he stood target for the transfixing glances of those ambushed archers of the eye but his abashments last too long his cheek hath changed from blush to pallor what strange thing does pierre glendinning see behind the first close busy breastwork of young girls are several very little stands or circular tables where sit small groups of twos and threes sewing in small comparative solitudes as it were they would seem to be the less notable of the rural company or else for some cause they have voluntarily retired into their humble banishment upon one of these persons engaged at the furthermost and least conspicuous of these little stands and close by a casement pierre's glance is palely fixed the girl sits steadily sewing neither she nor her two companions speak her eyes are mostly upon her work but now and then a very close observer would notice that she furtively lifts them and moves them sideways and timidly toward pierre and then still more furtively and timidly toward his lady mother further off all the while her preternatural calmness sometimes seems only made to cover the intensest struggle in her bosom her unadorned and modest dress is black fitting close up to her neck and clasping it with a plain velvet border to a nice perception that velvet shows elastically contracting and expanding as though some choked violent thing were risen up there within from the teeming region of her heart but her dark olive cheek is without a blush or a sign of any disquietude so far as this girl lies upon the common surface ineffable composure steeps her but still she sideways steals the furtive timid glance anon as yielding to the irresistible climax of her concealed emotion whatever that may be she lifts her whole marvellous countenance into the radiant candlelight and for one swift instant that face of supernaturalness unreservedly meets pierre's now wonderful loveliness and a still more wonderful loneliness have with inexplicable implorings looked up to him from that henceforth immemorial face there too he seemed to see the fair ground where anguish had contended with beauty and neither being conqueror both had laid down on the field recovering at length from his all too obvious emotion pierre turned away still farther to regain the conscious possession of himself a wild bewildering and incomprehensible curiosity had seized him to know something definite of that face to this curiosity at the moment he entirely surrendered himself unable as he was to combat it or reason with it in the slightest way 
so soon as he felt his outward composure return to him he proposed to chat his way behind the breastwork of bright eyes and cheeks and on some parlour pretence or other hear if possible an audible syllable from one whose mere silent aspect had so potentially moved him but at length as with this object in mind he was crossing the room again he heard his mother's voice gaily calling him away and turning saw her shawled and bonneted he could now make no plausible stay and smothering the agitation in him he bowed a general and hurried adieu to the company and went forth with his mother they had gone some way homeward in perfect silence when his mother spoke well pierre what can it possibly be my god mother did you see her then my son cried mrs glendinning instantly stopping in terror and withdrawing her arm from pierre what what under heaven ails you this is most strange i but playfully asked what you were so steadfastly thinking of and here you answer me by the stranger's question in a voice that seems to come from under your great-grandfather's tomb what in heaven's name does this mean pierre why were you so silent and why now are you so ill-timed in speaking answer me explain all this she she what she should you be thinking of but lucy tartan pierre beware beware i thought you firmer in your lady's faith than such strange behaviour as this would seem to hint answer me pierre what may this mean come i hate a mystery speak my son fortunately this prolonged verbalised wonder in his mother afforded pierre time to rally from his double and aggravated astonishment brought about by first suspecting that his mother also had been struck by the strange aspect of the face and then having that suspicion so violently beaten back upon him by her apparently unaffected alarm at finding him in some region of thought wholly unshared by herself at the time it is nothing nothing sister mary just nothing at all in the world i believe i was dreaming sleep-walking or something of that sort they were vastly pretty girls there this evening sister mary were they not come let us walk on do sister mine pierre pierre but i will take your arm again and have you really nothing more to say were you really wandering pierre i swear to you my dearest mother that never before in my whole existence have i so completely gone wandering in my soul as at that very moment but it is all over now then in a less earnest and somewhat playful tone he added and sister mine if you know aught of the physical and sanitary authors you must be aware that the only treatment for such a case of harmless temporary aberration is for all persons to ignore it in the subject so no more of this foolishness talking about it only makes me feel very unpleasantly silly and there is no knowing that it may not bring it back upon me then by all means my dear boy not another word about it but it's passing strange very very strange indeed well about that morning business how fared you tell me about it chapter two so pierre gladly plunging into this welcome current of talk was enabled to attend his mother home without furnishing further cause for her concern or wonderment but not by any means so readily could he allay his own concern and wonderment too really true in itself however evasive in its effect at the time was that earnest answer to his mother declaring that never in his whole existence had he been so profoundly stirred the face haunted him as some imploring and beauteous impassioned ideal madonna's haunts the morbidly longing and enthusiastic but ever baffled artist 
and ever as the mystic face thus rose before his fancy's sight another sense was touched in him the long-drawn unearthly girlish shriek pealed through and through his soul for now he knew the shriek came from the face such delphic shriek could only come from such a source and wherefore that shriek thought pierre bodes it ill to the face or me or both how am i changed that my appearance on any scene should have power to work such woe but it was mostly the face the face that wrought upon him the shriek seemed as incidentally embodied there the emotions he experienced seemed to have taken hold of the deepest roots and subtlest fibres of his being and so much the more that it was so subterranean in him so much the more did he feel its weird inscrutableness what was one unknown sad-eyed shrieking girl to him there must be sad-eyed girls somewhere in the world and this was only one of them and what was the most beautiful sad-eyed girl to him sadness might be beautiful as well as mirth he lost himself trying to follow out this tangle i will no more of this infatuation he would cry but forth from regions of irradiated air the divine beauty and imploring sufferings of the face stole into his view hitherto i have ever held but lightly thought pierre all stories of ghostly mysticalness in man my creed of this world leads me to believe invisible beautiful flesh and audible breath however sweet and scented but only invisible flesh and audible breath have i hitherto believed but now now and again he would lose himself in the most surprising and preternatural ponderings which baffled all the introspective cunning of his mind himself was too much for himself he felt that what he had always before considered the sodded land of veritable reality was now being audaciously encroached upon by bannered armies of hooded phantoms disembarking in his soul as from flotillas of spectre boats the terrors of the face were not those of gorgon not by repelling hideousness did it smite him so but bewilderingly allured him by its nameless beauty and its long-suffering hopeless anguish but he was sensible that this general effect upon him was also special the face somehow mystically appealing to his own private and individual affections and by a silent and tyrannic call challenging him in his deepest moral being and summoning truth love pity conscience to the stand apex of all wonders thought pierre this indeed almost unmans me with its wonderfulness escape the face he could not muffling his own in his bedclothes that did not hide it flying from it by sunlight down the meadows was as vain most miraculous of all to pierre was the vague impression that somewhere he had seen traits of the likeness of that face before but where he could not say nor could he in the remotest degree imagine he was not unaware for in one or two instances he had experienced the fact that sometimes a man may see a passing countenance in the street which shall irresistibly and magnetically affect him for a moment as wholly unknown to him and yet strangely reminiscent of some vague face he has previously encountered in some fancied time too of extreme interest to his life but not so was it now with pierre the face had not perplexed him for a few speculative minutes and then glided from him to return no more it stayed close by him only and not invariably could he repel it by the exertion of all his resolution and self-will besides what of general enchantment lurked in his strange sensations seemed concentringly condensed and pointed to a spearhead that pierced his heart with an 
inexplicable pang whenever this specializing emotion to call it so seized the possession of his thoughts and waved into his visions a thousand forms of bygone times and many an old legendary family scene which he had heard related by his elderly relations some of them now dead disguising his wild reveries as best he might from the notice of his mother and all other persons of her household for two days pierre wrestled with his own haunted spirit and at last so effectually purged it of all weirdnesses and so effectually regained the general mastery of himself that for a time life went with him as though he had never been stirred so strangely once more the sweet unconditional thought of lucy slid wholly into his soul dislodging thence all such phantom occupants once more he rode he walked he swam he vaulted and with new zest threw himself into the glowing practice of all those manly exercises he so dearly loved it almost seemed in him that ere promising for ever to protect as well as eternally to love his lucy he must first completely invigorate and embrawn himself into the possession of such a noble muscular manliness that he might champion lucy against the whole physical world still even before the occasional reappearance of the face to him pierre for all his wilful ardour in his gymnasticals and other diversions whether indoors or out or whether by book or foil still pierre could not but be secretly annoyed and not a little perplexed as to the motive which for the first time in his recollection had impelled him not merely to conceal from his mother a singular circumstance in his life for that he felt would have been but venial and besides as will eventually be seen he could find one particular precedent for it in his past experience but likewise and superaddedly to parry nay to evade in effect to return something alarmingly like a fib to an explicit question put to him by his mother such being the guise in which part of the conversation they had had that eventful night now appeared to his fastidious sense he considered also that his evasive answer had not pantheistically burst from him in a momentary interregnum of self-command no his mother had made quite a lengthy speech to him during which he well remembered he had been carefully though with trepidation turning over in his mind how best he might recall her from her unwished-for and untimely scent why had this been so was this his want what inscrutable thing was it that so suddenly had seized him and made him a falsifier i a falsifier and nothing less to his own dearly beloved and confiding mother here indeed was something strange for him here was stuff for his utmost ethical meditations but nevertheless on strict introspection he felt that he would not willingly have it otherwise not willingly would he now undissemble himself in this matter to his mother why was this too was this his want here again was food for mysticism here in imperfect inklings tinglings presentiments pierre began to feel what all mature men who are magians sooner or later know and more or less assuredly that not always in our actions are we our own factors but this conceit was very dim in pierre and dimness is ever suspicious and repugnant to us and so pierre shrank abhorringly from the infernal catacombs of thought down into which this fetal fancy beckoned him only this though in secret did he cherish only this he felt persuaded of namely that not for both worlds would he have his mother made a partner to his sometime mystic mood 
but with this nameless fascination of the face upon him during those two days that it had first and fully possessed him for its own did perplex pierre refrain from that apparently most natural of all resources boldly seeking out and returning to the palpable cause and questioning her by look or voice or both together the mysterious girl herself no not entirely did pierre here refrain but his profound curiosity and interest in the matter strange as it may seem did not so much appear to be embodied in the mournful person of the olive girl as by some radiations from her embodied in the vague conceits which agitated his own soul there lurked the subtle secret that pierre had striven to tear away from without no wonderful effect is wrought within ourselves unless some interior responding wonder meets it that the starry vault shall surcharge the heart with all rapturous marvellings is only because we ourselves are greater miracles and superber trophies than all the stars in universal space wonder interlocks with wonder and then the confounding feeling comes no cause have we to fancy that a horse a dog a fowl ever stand transfixed beneath yon skyey load of majesty but our soul's arches underfit into its and so prevent the upper arch from falling on us with unsustainable inscrutableness explain ye my deeper mystery said the shepherd chaldean king smiting his breast lying on his back upon the plain and then i will bestow all my wonderings upon ye ye stately stars so in some sort with pierre explain thou this strange integral feeling in me myself he thought turning upon the fancied face and i will then renounce all other wonders to gaze wonderingly at thee but thou hast evoked in me profounder spells than the evoking one thou face for me thou hast uncovered one infinite dumb beseeching countenance of mystery underlying all the surfaces of visible time and space but during those two days of his first wild vassalage to his original sensations pierre had not been unvisited by less mysterious impulses two or three very plain and practical plannings of desirable procedures in reference to some possible homely explication of all this nonsense so he would momentarily denominate it now and then flittingly intermitted his pervading mood of semi-madness once he had seized his hat careless of his accustomed gloves and cane and found himself in the street walking very rapidly in the direction of the miss pennies but whither now he disenchantingly interrogated himself where would you go a million to one those deaf old spinsters can tell you nothing you burn to know deaf old spinsters are not used to be the depositories of such mystical secrecies but then they may reveal her name where she dwells and something however fragmentary and unsatisfactory of who she is and whence ay but then in ten minutes after your leaving them all the houses and saddle meadows would be humming with the gossip of pierre glendinning engaged to marry lucy tartan and yet running about the country in ambiguous pursuit of strange young women that will never do you remember do you not often seeing the miss pennies hatless and without a shawl hurrying through the village like two postmen intent on dropping some tit-bit of precious gossip what a morsel for them pierre have you if you now call upon them verily their trumpets are both for use and for significance though very deaf the miss pennies are by no means dumb they blazon very wide 
now be sure and say that it was the miss pennies who left the news be sure we the miss pennies remember say to mrs glendinning it was we such was the message that now half humorously occurred to pierre as having been once confided to him by the sister spinsters one evening when they called with a choice present of some very recherche chit-chat for his mother but found the manorial lady out and so charged her son with it hurrying away to all the inferior houses so as not to be anywhere forestalled in their disclosure now i wish it had been any other house than the miss pennies any other house but theirs and on my soul i believe i should have gone but not to them no that i cannot do it would be sure to reach my mother and then she would put this and that together stir a little let it simmer and farewell forever to all her majestic notions of my immaculate integrity patience pierre the population of this region is not so immense no dense mobs of nineveh confound all personal identities in saddle meadows patience thou shalt see it soon again catch it passing thee in some green lane sacred to thy evening reveries she that bears it cannot dwell remote patience pierre ever are such mysteries best and soonest unravelled by the eventual unravelling of themselves or if you will go back and get your gloves and more especially your cane and begin your own secret voyage of discovery after it your cane i say because it will probably be a very long and weary walk true just now i hinted that she that bears it cannot dwell very remote but then her nearness may not be at all conspicuous so homeward and put off thy hat and let thy cane stay still good pierre seek not to mystify the mystery so thus intermittingly ever and anon during those sad two days of deepest sufferance pierre would stand reasoning and expostulating with himself and by such meditative treatment reassure his own spontaneous impulses doubtless it was wise and right that so he did doubtless but in a world so full of all dubieties as this one can never be entirely certain whether another person however carefully and cautiously conscientious has acted in all respects conceivable for the very best but when the two days were gone by and pierre began to recognize his former self as restored to him from its mystic exile then the thoughts of personally and pointedly seeking out the unknown either preliminarily by a call upon the sister spinsters or generally by performing the observant lynx-eyed circuit of the county on foot and as a crafty inquisitor dissembling his cause of inquisition these and all similar intentions completely abandoned pierre he was now diligently striving with all his mental might for ever to drive the phantom from him he seemed to feel that it begat in him a certain condition of his being which was most painful in every way uncongenial to his natural wanted self it had a touch of he knew not what sort of unhealthiness in it so to speak for in his then ignorance he could find no better term it seemed to have in it a germ of somewhat which if not quickly extirpated might insidiously poison and embitter his whole life that choice delicious life which he had vowed to lucy for his one pure and comprehensive offering at once a sacrifice and a delight nor in these endeavourings did he entirely fail for the most part he felt now that he had a power over the comings and goings of the face but not on all occasions sometimes the old original mystic tyranny would steal upon him the long dark locks of mournful hair would fall upon his soul and trail their wonderful melancholy along with them the two full steady over-brimming eyes of loveliness and anguish would converge their magic rays till he felt them kindling 
he could not tell what mysterious fires in the heart at which they aimed when once this feeling had him fully then was the perilous time for pierre for supernatural as the feeling was and appealing to all things ultramontane to his soul yet was it a delicious sadness to him some hazy fairy swam above him in the heavenly ether and showered down upon him the sweetest pearls of pensiveness then he would be seized with a singular impulse to reveal the secret to some one other individual in the world only one not more he could not hold all this strange fullness in himself it must be shared in such an hour it was that chancing to encounter lucy her whom above all others he did confidingly adore she heard the story of the face nor slept at all that night nor for a long time freed her pillow completely from wild beethoven sounds of distant waltzing melodies as of ambiguous fairies dancing on the heath End of book three, part one.